Have you ever thought of taking a safari? Now, I had the opportunity to interview James Curry of the Great Plains Conservation on luxury safaris. Now, I was a little apprehensive at first, mixing luxury with the jungle, but after this interview, I am eager to take my first safari, and you will too. Welcome to the You Deserve a Luxury Vacation podcast, where we help busy professionals with valuable tips and inspiration to plan their next luxury vacation. Your host is Belvin Baldwin II, an award-winning travel advisor and owner of Showtime Travel. He will educate and entertain you on this journey by speaking with some of the top luxury travel suppliers. So let's get started because you deserve a luxury vacation. Hello, James, and welcome to the You Deserve a Luxury Vacation podcast. How are you doing? Hi there, Belvin. Good to be with you. Good, good, good. Well, I'm very excited because we're going to be talking about safaris. And a lot of my clients and listeners, they love luxury experiences, but they've never been on a safari. So they're trying to put it in their head. How can they have luxury experiences on one hand and the jungle combination in the other? So we're going to learn a lot today of why they should take those luxury experiences with safaris. So uh, let's get into it. Kind of tell me what is Great Plains Conservation and what's your role? Sure. So I'm the head of sales for Great Plains Conservation for the Americas. And um, I have a history of being in the safari industry for many years. Um, I grew up in South Africa. I started out as a guide, as a safari guide, and uh, have stayed in the industry ever since uh, my 20s, quite a number of years now. And Great Plains Conservation is an incredible organization because although we are very successful business, tourism business, we run our business like a nonprofit in a lot of ways because we're all about conservation. We're all about conservation. We're all about communities in Africa, and we're all about making a difference. So we are a, a very successful ecotourism entity that is actually a conservation and community-oriented organization. So none of our shareholders, for example, uh, take a dividend. They're in it because they want to make a difference to Africa. They want to make a difference to the wildlife, Africa's wild places, and Africa's people. Wow, that is amazing. Those are great, valid points. I didn't even think about that. So it's not only a great tourism company, but you're also helping the community there in Africa. So why should someone who's looking to go to Africa, why should they try a safari? Well, I think, you know, when I speak to most of our guests that have been to Africa for the first time. I think that's the best gauge of why you should do a safari. It's very difficult for me. I was born in Africa. <laughs> I'm very biased because I'm in love with the continent. It's my home. But for people that have never been, I think it's best to ask them. And what I find over and over again is when people first set foot in Africa, the smells of Africa, Africa's people, the culture, the scenery, for a lot of people, they have this feeling, it's almost like an epiphany that they are coming home. It's a very weird feeling that's difficult to describe. Okay. But, uh, it's very difficult to describe. It's almost as though you're coming home. And I think the reason for that is that, you know, we all came from Africa. It's the cradle of humankind. So for Say a lot again. of people, <laughs> yeah, the cradle of humankind. So for people, when they set foot in Africa, it's almost like there's epiphany, this feeling deep inside of us that we are coming home. 
And I think that's, that's why you should go to Africa. As much as for the wildlife, I'll tell you this, and it's an absolute fact. People go there for the wildlife, but they come back for the people. Great, great, great. I can experience, I did not go, of course, to the safari, but I, my first visit to Africa, I felt the same way. So definitely the people, the culture, it really hits home. It's just something that always has you wanting to come back. So the name of this podcast is You Deserve a Luxury Vacation. And, you know, luxury vacation is subjective. Everybody kind of defines luxury in their way. How would Great Plains Conservation define luxury? How would you guys define luxury? That's a very good question, Belvin. And, you know, I think the term luxury, to be quite honest, has been overused in the safari industry and in the tourism industry. And, you know, when people speak to luxury, most people think of a luxurious room with opulent copper baths and (laughs) copper fixtures and, you know, gold-plated nightstands and stuff like that. But to be quite honest, you can get a beautiful room anywhere. And so luxury is, is found all over the world if you're talking about an accommodation. But for us, luxury is so much more than that. Luxury is going to a place where you are treated like family mm-hmm. and where people treat you with empathy. People treat you with kindness, with respect, and people will go the extra mile for you, giving of their time and of their personas to you as a guest. And I think that is what luxury is all about. It's more about the experience of travel versus being in a luxury room. Great. I like that. I definitely like that definition because what we feel, I think a lot of people feel that you have to stay in a $20,000 a room night to feel luxury. It's those experiences. It's that quality customer service that really stands out. Great. So, now that we're kind of know about safaris and we're learning more about safaris, a lot of people who haven't been to Africa, they may think that you can find safaris everywhere in Africa. Can you kind of narrow down where are the destinations where you guys administer your safaris? and Where can we find safaris in Africa? Absolutely. So, Belvin, the word safari is a very large term and you kind of have to really get into it and drill down into the different types of safaris because there are so many different options in Africa. But I think if you want to look at the four main categories, I think you can categorize them into four groupings. The first would be desert safaris. Now, we don't operate desert safaris where we are, but Namibia is a country in Western Southern Africa. And Namibia offers amazing desert safaris where you can experience, you know, the sand dunes, the desert, desert adapted wildlife, I wouldn't say that is an option for a first-time visitor to Africa because the wildlife is a lot more scattered and scarce, but it's definitely a beautiful place to go for a repeat visitor to Africa. Okay. So those are desert safaris. Then there's the traditional East African safaris, and this is the quintessential safari that's spoken about in the times of old with the big game hunters coming down and hunting game. That's how the word safari started, and then it morphed into more of a tourism term. But safaris were sort of associated with hunting in the early days. And so the quintessential East African safari takes place in Kenya and Tanzania. And that experience is centered around the great migration that happens throughout the year with wildebeest and zebra that do a big circle throughout Kenya and Tanzania. And uh, guests can go and experience the thrill of that migration. So that's the East African safari. 
Then we come to my personal favorite, which are water-based safaris. And these are safaris which encompass both a land-based option with a water-based option. The best place for this is the Okavango Delta in Botswana. And this gives you the opportunity to go out on a game drive in the morning, but in the afternoon to take a boat ride or a dugout canoe ride through the pristine waters of the Okavango Delta in Botswana. These are probably the most expensive safaris you can do in Africa, in Botswana, but they're definitely worthwhile. True wilderness, no fences with wildlife, etc. And then the fourth category would be primate safaris. And this is mainly centered around Uganda and Rwanda presently. That's where you go to see the big apes like chimps and gorillas in those countries. And they can be combined. I'm not to say you only have to do one safari. You can do, let's say, an East African safari combined with a primate safari, for example. Or you can do a Botswana water-based safari with a South African safari as well. But those would be sort of the four main categories. Great, great. I was looking on your website and I was looking at this guy who was walking and he had seems like a rifle or shotgun. It seems like they were just walking through the bush, I guess. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, this, hopefully nothing comes out there, but, I, you know, we live in America where we have automatic rifle. <laughs> this guy, has, has, hopefully he hits him on the first shot. Tell me a little bit about the unique experiences that we can find with your company. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you just touched on one of them. Walking safaris is incredible. Uh, it's something that we offer at all our camps to get our guests out into nature, into the bush. It's a very different feeling being in Africa on foot versus being from the comfort of a vehicle. And when you're on foot, all your senses are awakened. Suddenly, you're a little bit more alert. You can see better than you've ever seen in your life. Suddenly, you're hearing everything. It's I bet amazing. you're alert on the, when you're walking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how all these senses come back. So we do try to offer walks for all our guests in our camps. Right. Obviously, when you're walking, there's one golden rule. You have to just think that you have to be able to outrun somebody else in your party. That's all. And then you're fine. Long as you're um, outrunning that guy, yeah. you're all right. <laughs> Make sure you bring your best Nikes and you'll yeah. be good. outrun. <laughs> bring some good kicks and outrun everyone. But that's one of the best. And to be quite honest, I'm joking here, but safaris are 100% safe. You know, we have some of the best, most well-trained guides in Africa, and they're very used to taking people on safari. And to be quite honest, incidents in Africa on safari are incredibly rare. I mean, you have uh -huh. more chance of being a car accident in the States. So yes, we offer the walking, but some very special experiences. We have a great lodge in Kenya called Old Donyo Lodge. And this is where you can see the last remaining big tusker elephants in Africa. And these are elephants which have at least one tusk weighing more than 100 pounds aside. And these are massive elephants. There's probably only 20 to 25 of these elephants left in the world mm -hmm. because the gene for large ivory in elephants has been largely diminished because of uh, trophy hunting and poaching and yeah. so elephants now are losing those big tusks over time and if you want to see these last remaining big tuskers on our planet the best place is old donio lodge in kenya and we have a beautiful hide there which is like a blind and you can stay hidden while the elephants come down to the watering hole and drink literally feet from you and you're totally safe in this blind it's a fantastic experience you can even sleep out in this hide if you choose so it really is a, a wonderful way to get up close and personal with these magnificent giants. Some of the other options in Botswana, we have a great camp called Duba Plains, 
This is a very famous camp made famous by our owners, Derek and Beverly Joubert, who did a lot of wildlife documentaries on National Geographic. And one of the films was centered around the interaction between lions and buffalo on this particular reserve. And Duba Plains remains one of the few places in Africa where you can watch lions hunting during the day. In most other areas, lions hunt at night, but at Duba Plains, they specialize in hunting during the day. So you're going on game drive. If you're there for three or four nights, there's a strong probability that you will witness a lion kill in the action, killing a buffalo or a lechwe or a warthog. So really, really exciting there. And then, you know, each different area in Africa offers its own unique experience. But those are just a couple of the ones that you can do at our camps. So I know we spoke about it earlier when you talked about the different types of animals that you can see on a safari, but I keep hearing the word big five. Can you tell me what's the big five and what is it all about? Sure. So the big five is actually an old hunting term and it developed. Remember, we spoke just briefly about safaris generally in the old days were associated with hunting, hunting Mm -hmm. safaris. And now we mainly associate safaris with ecotourism safaris. But in the past, the big five term was coined by hunters, by big game hunters, and it was ascribed to the five most dangerous animals to hunt. Mm. So a lot of people ask, like, why is giraffe not on the big five? For example, it's huge. Yeah, um, exactly. Why is hippopotamus not in the big five? It's huge. Like right. it should, be, you know, and it's a charismatic animal. Why is it not there? Well, it's these hunting terms. So they are elephant, rhino, buffalo, leopard and lion and Mm. those five animals are traditionally the most dangerous animals to hunt and that's how the term was coined and now it's become a safari term i personally don't like it because i think there's so much more to africa than the big five how can you not enjoy cheetah for example or giraffe as i mentioned or big herds of of wildebeest and zebra you know Mm. migrating across a river so there's so much more to it than the big five but yes it is a term that has become synonymous with the safari industry in Africa. Now, what about, I see this, you know, on social media where the person is sitting right next to a gorilla quiet. Where would you find the big gorillas? So the best place to see them is Rwanda and Uganda. And it's an incredible experience. It's a life-changing experience. Guests have an hour to spend with the gorillas and no longer because... We don't want to impact on their day. They've got to live their normal lives. But they are semi, well, they're pretty habituated to people. And I say semi-habituated because they're obviously not domesticated. They're wild animals, but they become used to people. So it's an incredible experience. You're not supposed to be closer than about 20 feet from them. But often the gorillas don't obey. They don't know those rules. (laughs) You know, you're sitting there and one will come right up to you and touch you. And you kind of have to just try and back off or... If it's a big dominant gorilla, you bend down and you make these weird noises, which is a sign of submission. They brief you on all of this. It's an incredibly exhilarating experience. But overall, gorillas are peaceful vegetarians. And I think that the movies that we've all watched with King Kong and all that right, stuff right. <laughs> terrified the public about gorillas, that they're these meat-eating human eating monsters and actually the the reverse is true they're very peaceful vegetarians that's not to say the silverback won't protect his group he absolutely will if you had to grab one of those babies or something and do something stupid you'd be in a lot of trouble Uh, but it is an incredible experience to spend time with them and it's quite a walk 
you know, to get up to them. It's not like you just get up to the park entrance and they're the gorillas. You sometimes have to walk three hours to find them, trekking through the mountains to find the groups that have been habituated. So it's definitely not, and it's at elevation in most cases. Like in Rwanda, you're doing this at about, you know, eight, 9,000 feet. So it's quite tough on the lungs. So you have okay. to be fairly you have to be in shape. You have to yeah, be in fairly, shape. Fairly like. in shape. But it's yeah. a phenomenal experience to sit that close to something that shares you know, 96, 97% of our genes, depending on whether you're talking about gorillas or chimpanzees, it's it's mm. fantastic. Wow, that's an experience. So we've talked about a little, you know, about the safaris, we talked about the uh, some of your unique experiences. Let's talk about the accommodations. We talked about lodges, what should we expect at the different lodges? Yeah, absolutely. So there are lots of safari options in Africa. There's self-drive safaris, people that are on a budget will often hire their own car, drive into Kruger National Park or go to Kenya in the Masai Mara and drive through the reserve, which you can absolutely do. The issue with that is that you're in a national park with the rest of the world. There's okay. no, there's just vehicles everywhere. Um, there can be, you know, a hundred vehicles around a lion sighting. It's happened before. Like if you've got wildebeest crossing a river with crocodiles everywhere, you can have a hundred vehicles there in the Masai Mara. So mm -hmm. there's very little control in those circumstances and our camps, are all situated, majority of them, in private concessions, which means it's private only for our guests. Nobody else can drive into those areas, mm -hmm. and our guests get a personalized experience with wildlife. The accommodations, again, vary in the safari industry from very basic three-star accommodations right up to five-star plus. We have two categories of camps. We've got our reserve-level camps, which are all members of Relay and Chateau, the hotel group. Mm -hmm. um, so they're five-star plus incredible rooms, very big ensuite bathrooms with a private plunge pool in each room in most cases. And then we also have explorer-level camps, which are four-star plus. Uh, these don't have private plunge pools in every room, but they've still got an ensuite bathroom. The rooms are a lot smaller. The food offerings and the service and the luxury we were talking about from a service and a personal experience is the same whether regardless whether you stay at the reserve level or the explorer level camps. Okay, great, great. That all sounds wonderful. I, I mean, especially the plunge pool. So when you're in the lodges, is there a possibility that you may see some wildlife just sitting on your deck? Absolutely. You know, some people come to the camps and they skip a game drive for example, and they're so nervous because they've slept in because the game drives in the morning start quite early, you know, 5.30 okay. in the morning sometimes. And some people are like, they miss it or they're tired, they want to sleep in. And then they they wake up at like 7.30 or whatever and they have serious FOMO, you know. Fear, <laughs> fear of missing now, out if you don't know now, that. Now everybody else is on game drive and they're wondering like, what? And so they're sitting on their deck and suddenly they see a lion walking past their deck and hunting a zebra and killing it. And they've had the most incredible sighting <laughs> right from their room. And the safari vehicles get back and they're, what did you see? Oh, no, we didn't see much. What did you see? Oh, I saw a lion kill a zebra from my head. <laughs> no, so, so none of the camps are fenced. Yes, wildlife can come through there at any time. We've had wild dogs killing antelope in camp. We've had lions in camp. We've had elephants frequently in camp drinking from the plant pools and stuff like that so yes you have your best safari experiences generally on the vehicles on the game drives but that's not to say that you can't see amazing stuff from your room at any given time good 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 now based on on our discussion so far it seems like you have 
great safari experiences, but before you were talking about Africa and the culture. So let's say, for example, one of our listeners, they want to go on a safari, but maybe they also want to combine it with a trip to, since you're talking about Tanzania, maybe they want to go to Zanzibar and, and sit by the ocean and take in those beautiful sights. Can they combine the two or how does that work? Not only can they, uh, but they should, 100%. Okay. For me, I could be on safari, the actual wildlife safari thing for months at a time. I just absolutely love it. But for a lot of people, I would say six to eight nights on safari is plenty. Mm -hmm. And then most people coming to Africa don't want to come all the way to Africa just for six to eight nights. They generally want to make a two-week vacation out of it. So in every region that you travel, there's always an opportunity to experience a vibrant, dynamic African city or a beach destination or an island. So to give you some examples, for example, if you're doing a, a safari in Botswana, I would always combine that with two nights at Victoria Falls, see the spectacular falls, and then fly on the short flight from Victoria Falls to Cape Town and see one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Great wine, great culture, great food. We do township tours where you can experience how a lot of the local South Africans live. There's a lot of history there. So you can go to Robben Island and experience where Nelson Mandela was incarcerated for 28 years mm -hmm. or fighting apartheid in our country. You can go to the apartheid museum in South Africa, which is a fantastic insight into the atrocities that happened in South Africa. And so I think a safari is as much about having fun as it is about learning as well. I always encourage people come out to a destination have fun but also take something back where you can learn about a country and a culture and what that country's been through so that's an example for southern africa in in east africa absolutely go on a safari in the masai mara but then maybe spend two nights in nairobi and there's some fantastic art and food in nairobi that you can experience it's, an, it's a fantastic city um, and we do guided tours right throughout the city for you and then maybe end off on lamu island or uh, nemba island close to zanzibar where you can experience like a beach addition to your safari so yes absolutely combine it as much as possible do some beach do some culture do some wine do some food and it all goes all pairs very very well with safari Great, great. That is amazing. I like that you can mix the safari with the city as well. So I, I think that will be a good point for travelers, at least coming from America, to visit Africa. Most of this is on East Africa, am I correct? South and East Africa. So they probably would have to either fly into uh, maybe Dubai, then come over or fly into South Africa, Johannesburg. Absolutely. Correct? So there's various options. A lot of people prefer to fly on their airline. For example, if you have American miles, you're probably going to fly on an American partner like Qatar or Emirates or something like that and fly via the UAE or Dubai. Exactly right. And then right. come through to Africa. But there are also direct flights. So Delta has direct flights from Atlanta into Johannesburg, which is about a 15, 16 hour flight. And then also Kenya Airways was flying from New York directly into Nairobi. So you can fly direct, but a lot of people prefer to use their airline, break up the flight and maybe do, you know, 10 hours plus seven hours instead of a, a full 16 hour flight all at once or a 15 hour flight all at once. Great, great. As travel advisors, that's what we do. We want to make sure that we help everybody get to at least get to these locations best for them. So James, why should 
our listeners use a travel advisor when working with uh, Great Plains Conservation? You know, that's a very good question, Belvin. And if there's anybody out there that has booked a successful safari on Expedia or Booking.com, please <laughs> please let me know because you'll be one of the first that I've heard of <laughs> where, where nothing goes wrong. Africa is not a destination that you can just book direct and do yourself. There's so many moving parts with flights, with vaccinations that are needed for certain countries, with safety protocols, with knowing the right areas to go and the right times of the year to visit. You can go to a destination which is you think is an amazing safari destination, but you book it online and you see that it's a great price and you go there totally the wrong time of the year and you see nothing. Um, right. and you're wondering like, why, why did this happen? So we absolutely, and that's why we as a company actually do not take bookings directly from the public. So okay. we have a lot of people that will come to us directly through our website. It's always channeled back to an Africa specialist or a travel advisor in their home country, because to be quite honest, it's not something that you ever want to do directly. It's something you always want to trust through your travel advisor and you know somebody like Showtime Travel. You guys know the continent well. Your listeners should absolutely keep the bookings with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, it's funny when it comes to big time experiences, it's definitely important to use a travel advisor in this. And this is a bucket list vacation for a lot of people. You know, it's a dream vacation and 100%. you're making a long haul, you know, coming from America. So you want to make sure that everything is correct. Now, you talked about specific times to travel to different destinations. What is the best time? I, you know, you hear about the Great Migration. When is the best time to visit? during that specific migration time? Sure. So the migration actually happens all year. And this is what most people don't realize is that you oh. can experience it at any time of the year. But the best time to experience it is July and August when they get to the northern Serengeti, which is the Maasai Mara, and they cross from Tanzania into Kenya. Mm -hmm. And it's at that time that they have these dramatic crossings where the whole herd is on the move. At other times, they're stationary, they're grazing, you'll see the migration or they're giving birth or whatever the case might be. But at this time of the year, July, August, September, they are crossing these rivers. And it's where you see that great footage of them jumping off the cliffs. They almost right. just get to this frenzy. That's the when the wildebeest are there. Yeah. <laughs> Crocodiles are eating them. Lions are eating them. It's like this crazy time. And so that's the best time for the migration, July, August, September. It is high season. So you can expect lots of traffic, increased prices, obviously, during that time. But generally, Africa is a year-round destination. But there are different seasons. There's a high okay. season. Uh, high season is generally from around June 15th till end of September and then over festive season. And then there's a shoulder season, which is either side of that. And then there's a low season, which is further out. Now, the low season is going to have the best, most attractive pricing. And it's also a fantastic time to be in Africa. Yes, it rains generally in the low season. So you might be subjected to some rain, but everything's bright and green Everything's giving birth to live young. It's a time when traditionally Americans can't travel because it's not during June, July, August, which is the main American travel season. Right. And that's when the prices are highest. But the low season and shoulder season are fantastic times to travel. They're not dictated by necessarily by the best time to be in Africa, but they're dictated by the American travel se season, actually. So oh, there really? are some, okay. there's some secret seasons. For example, Botswana or Southern Africa, my favorite time to go is actually April, May into early June. 
And that's because it's in shoulder season, not high season. So you get more attractive pricing, but you get all the benefits of the high season. Colder weather at night, uh, drier conditions. So the wildlife is generally more concentrated around water. And in the Okavango Delta, you also get the water activities because the, the floods have come down from further north. So yes, the timing is essential both for your pocketbook, but also for the experience that you're looking for in Africa. Great, great. Well, James, I think I've learned a lot about safaris and this will help. I think the listeners will be excited to really look into working with Great Plains here. And, I, you know, whenever they're ready to call, we're ready to discuss it with you. In leaving, though, I just want to make sure, do you have anything else that maybe I forgot or something that you want to share with our listeners? Sure, Belvin. Maybe just that, you know, if you do travel outside of the traditional high season, there are some amazing specials that you can take advantage of. So not only will you get the lower season pricing, but because a lot of safari lodges are trying to fill their camps during those seasons of lower sort of activity, you can get things like, for example, we offer in low and shoulder season, a stay for four, pay for three. So mm -hmm. every four nights you stay with us, you get one night free. And it also includes the flying from Maun to all the camps or from Nairobi to all the camps, depending on which country you're in. So our pricing actually includes the flying and the pricing, but then also shoulder and low season, take advantage of those special offers, stay for four, pay for three. And we look forward to welcoming your viewers and I mean, your listeners and hopefully you as well soon, Belvin, to come back and uh, come to our camps. Well, not only listeners, we're going to have viewers too, because this is going to be on YouTube as well. So this is great. So if you want to take advantage of that, listeners, just make sure that you visit ShowtimeTravel.com and just click on the uh, Design My Luxury Experience. And for this particular promotion, just make sure you put Great Plains in the notes and we'll make sure that we have you all set there. Well, James, I really appreciate you taking the time out your busy schedule to talk with us. This has been amazing. And we've learned so much about safaris. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Belvin. Thanks Have for having me. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the You Deserve a Luxury Vacation podcast. Please visit ShowtimeTravel.com to plan your next luxury vacation. Also subscribe to the Showtime Travel channel on YouTube and Instagram for more luxury vacation inspiration.